this thing where oh, it's whatever whatever the freshest most recent piece of gear like that's the best one i mean you've seen me go through this over the even just the past couple of months i mean a, cu- a couple things like that we even talked about the ms3 i got that gretch right uh through your friend yeah so what you're saying is you acquired things locally and you found great deals at least within the city of chicago here well and and but whichever mo- the most recent deal is is my favorite thing that's the way it should be, right? You should never start buying gear that you don't like. If you start going downhill, you might want to stop collecting gear altogether. Mm, that's wise. I agree. But man, that Ampeg, I'm, you, I'm digging it. You're man. so happy with it. So what's what's your favorite thing about the Ampeg right now, like as it stands? I know you've only had it for maybe a week or two. Yeah. Well, it, it's 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 the tone, bro. Bro. <laughs> Natch. <laughs> but honestly, the it does something that, a, I've lusted over for year for years having used an old VT40 in the past, and, and B don't have in any of the other numerous amps that I own currently. It does something completely unique in the mid range and those sweet sweet mids that I just nothing else that I have yeah, captures. You, you were saying that uh, your favorite thing was the mids. It has that rocker switch, right? It has it has some switches and knobs. It does some it does some unique things that. In that mid range, you can select for the the different selectors. I think one is kind of like a bright sort of thing, and mm-hmm. it just kind of makes it a little too shrill. I usually leave that down on the lower frequency, but sure. then the other one, I'm pretty sure it selects between or among three separate frequency ranges. No, not ranges, frequency bands, and then when you have the mid control mm-hmm. on a pot, that is the the frequency it selects and, and the interesting thing unlike yeah. most tone stacks where it's a passive tone stack meaning it's only cutting so like 10 is all the way on and then you can go down from there yeah. here zero is essentially what 10 would be there and then you can either boost or cut so okay so like 12 o'clock 12 o'clock is noon, your middle high noon is right at zero that's zero that's kind of cool and then you can either cut or boost so that allows you to get creative with what you do in the mid-range especially I've noticed just the, I think maybe three different guitars or four different guitars I've plugged into it. They react differently with that switch. And sometimes you mm-hmm. want to have it on a different selector. It's been pretty interesting. Tell me more about the power section on the, the Ampeg VT40. You know, I wish I could tell you I have the details <laughs> in front of me right now, because the thing is it has a really weird array of tubes. I know um, we were poking around back there with the old, uh, it's not 7027. Is it maybe 7027 I can't remember now because I don't have any other amps that have those power. Tubes. Yeah, yeah. But it has non-standard current tube power right. tubes. Uh, I think it's four of those, um, the amps rated around 60 Watts, I think with four 10 inch speakers. Yeah. It's, it's probably the loudest Ampeg guitar amp I've ever heard. It's gnarly. Yeah, I love that thing. But and and that's the thing. I I don't even like like how it sounds when it's up all the way. Like it where it is now is probably at you know volume and gain around ten o'clock or so, not mm-hmm. super high. Mm-hmm. But man, it just does a cool thing. And then of course I use it for kind of a punchy clean sound. There's some grit to it, but it's still a fairly clean tone. And then I use use some pedals on top of that to to dirt it up. Well, naturally, yeah, you wouldn't just. You wouldn't just plug straight into it 
It, I have, and it sounds yeah. great, but I, I prefer using it as that sort of crunchy, clean, mm-hmm. crazy. It does this chest thump thing that I just can't get in anything else right now. Yeah. And then, and then throwing a couple of my favorite distortions lately, it's been pretty much a staple over the last several years, a T-Rex molar, which is essentially their hot rotted or, or best take on a tube screamer on one side and then a clean boost on the other side. So mm-hmm. it's really good all around pedal um for kind of mid crunch push sound and then i lately i've been going back and forth but lately i've really been liking a i've got a harmonic percolator interfax unobtainium distortion pedal of gods that just it just oh it does these even order order harmonic things that it just sounds so right with that ampeg yeah throw throw some humbuckers into that it's steve albini josh homme yeah i remember you you were standing on the other side of the room and I, I walked over to, I don't know, give, get you a beer or, or something. And it, I had to get out of the way of the front of the VT 40 <laughs> quickly with, with earplugs on. It was, uh, it was a short trip to it's the a, fridge. It's a visceral experience. Yeah. It was like, it was like jumping through a ring of fire. You know, you just kind of got to get through it and then you got to go back. Well, back. I appreciate your, your toughness and dealing with my, yeah, it's nothing they, the, those, uh, uh, ears have never heard before. So, so hey man, uh, that's enough about me because yeah, that's, well that's me. Yeah, but, but I want to talk about you because okay, you're here and you're a hunk, yeah, and yeah. I want to talk about you've got a couple really old, really awesome bases that I love and dream about and and lust over and feel lucky to be able to play music with with you. So why don't you tell me about one of them? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't know. So I've got. I've got a pair of 1962 uh, Fenders. Um, one's a, a precision bass that's been modified and refinished, and the other's a jazz bass that's been slightly modified. And let's let's be clear: when you say 62, you mean not the reissues. Yeah, yeah, they're actual 1962s. Um, uh, specifically, the Fender P bass. It's a slab neck, so it's actually a um, it's an early 62. Uh, they the did this. Yeah, the P bass. Um, yeah, the jazz bass is a veneer neck, but it's still a great 1962. I think it's a December 62 um, jazz bass neck. But the P bass itself, um, it's um, it's a March 62, which is actually when when they were in transition. I believe it was March. Might have been May. Um, I always mix those two up sometimes. <laughs> but it's uh, anyways, that's when they transitioned from the slab to the veneer. So a lot of people say, you know, the slab neck gives you darker tone man and like you know it is more collectible because it's older and Mm -hmm. they only made it for a few years um so that's the neck on that one um but yeah i i I love that thing it's modified it's a it's it's refinished black um i don't think it's actual uh, nitro finish like you know from the factory or from any kind of reputable place it might have been sprayed with black auto paint when do you think that modification that's a good question i mean it's probably in the 80s because um, it, it also has a, um, uh, refresh my memory. What's the, uh, like the Duff McKagan, um, P bass, the, the jazz bass special. Oh, it's the got a aerodyne. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. It's, it's similar. It's, it's called a, the jazz bass special. Oh, and it was that white one he played. The older one. Yeah. yeah the really old one. It's from like the mid eighties. Yeah. It's got one of those that had a bridge pickup in it. It had a single coil jazz pickup at the bridge. Um, it has that pickup installed at the bridge. So it's got this weird, like almost like hi-fi kind of jazz bass um, 
pickup in the bridge and it gives it like a, a brightness. So I would guess when that pickup was added was maybe when they refinished it. Cause the finish isn't very beat up at all, you know, especially for a refin. It's got scratches and stuff, but um, I've worn through it a little bit. Um, not as much as I'd like to. And it's what is it? The, is it a red tort? Yeah. And it's got the original red tort pick guard, um, which is in good shape. It's not cracked or anything like that. It's not too shrunk or is anything. the, is the P pickup? original the p pickup is original yeah um yeah it's got the original uh black bottom pre-cbs pickups um and it's you know all, all original tuners the bridge is original um i've even got the uh the little ashtray for the bridge cover um which is yeah it's it's a great I, you know it just sounds better than any bass i've ever heard or or felt or anything like that and um so i mean obviously <clears throat> well not obviously to anybody but me but i you've had a lot of p bases including yeah including my yours my p base that mm -hmm. i purchased from you that is a 70 it's a 75 yeah it's 75 black with maple um it looks just like the roger waters base basically it's but, amazing but it has it also has the single coil pick up in the bridge that's right so very similar to my 62 and at one point i owned both of them so it was almost like having the same bass with a little different controls and then obviously from two different eras so that was kind of cool um i'm glad it went to a good home i'm glad it goes to good use and i'm also glad that i can play it whenever i want to <laughs> it will forever be known as fonda yeah oh cool very cool and and i will never sell it because it's yeah i've also had a handful of bases come and go but that's that's the one for me and so you know thinking about that one or, or just all the other p bases you've had what is it about the 62 that's yeah kind of special for you. well here's what here's what's interesting i i've actually never opened it up to look at the wiring i've looked at the pots separately and i've looked at the pickups separately i've never figured out how i'm not a wiring guy i don't understand schematics and all that um i've never had a friend look at it either which maybe we should open it up for an episode one well day done. but it's um basically i i don't know how it's wired because it's just it's just volume at the bridge pickup and it's volume at the original p pickups so it's just volume volume I don't know where the tone is. I don't know if it's just wired straight to the input jack or however that works. Um, but it sounds amazing. It just, you know, you can you basically just dial in between the two pickups and you can get all kinds of tones with it. I mean, it can get real funky. It can get really dirty and like rock and roll. Uh, I've never heard anything like it. Do you have, what, do, is, do you have a favorite way to use it? Is there like a, the best scenario yeah. for that bass? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, in a recording situation, I've always found it's best with just everything on full blast. Because then you can always you can always have tone and dial it back if you need to, or have the engineer dial it back. Um, but the problem with that is the single coil hums sometimes. Mm. Just depends on like the electricity in the place. And I've had issues at some rehearsal spaces. Luckily, ours it it sounds great. I don't have any um, the sixty cycle hum. I think is that what they call it. That is what they call. It. That's also a guitar podcast that I listen to. That's oh, quite cool. good. Oh, shout out to sixty cycle hum guitar podcast. Um, we're coming up. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it, you know, it sounds really good and it just, so both pickups on full, it just sounds amazing and it's a very low end, but it all, it also has kind of that high five from that, um, jazz bass pickup in there. So it has a little bit of that guns and roses tone, you know, the appetite for destruction. Ooh, that yeah, grind. That's yeah. That's that bass. So that's that pickup coming. Oh, out he played bass. a He played a 62. No, he played a, Oh, you're talking the, about the jazz, the pickup, bridge pickup. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. So he played that. So you can almost hear that kind of like scooped kind of twang huh. high end it really really cool do um, you live do you prefer running it into your amp and miking that or do you like yeah. the house taking a di and going well yeah most places will do both that's what i love yeah. when they just they'll do a di um but yeah I, I play mark bass heads i have no problem with the tone they have great di's they don't home uh in most cases and um 
So my trusty mark base, I'm, I'm fine with it. If the engineer just wants to run the EQ um, straight out of the head with the DI, I, I'm totally fine with that. It's pretty amazing here, feeling the difference between that neck and the jazz neck going between the two. Do you have a hard time transitioning between those? Yeah. Necks? Yeah. I purposely play both of them all the time. Like <laughs> as you've seen, you know, I've brought both to both practices or recording sessions. Um, absolutely. It's weird to switch from one. Cause like a lot of people don't know, like the 62 P base neck is very wide at the nut, but it's very, it's almost like a flattish round. It's not round like a baseball bat. It's round. Like, you know, it's very flat feeling. Um, which I just got used to. I, I don't have the biggest hands for a bass player, and I've I've found it like it feels pretty good uh, playing that thing. And then you switch to this jazz bass, which you've played, and I can you compare it to any? Can you compare the width to anything like a banjo? It's, sure, a banjo, it's maybe so a ukulele. Skinny. It is. I don't know how they get all four strings on that thing. It's the skinniest neck I've ever played in my entire life. It's awesome. Um, I think people with huge hands would have a huge problem with it. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, it just, it's personal preference maybe. Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, I think it does, hand size can play into it for sure. I, yeah. I know I have big hands and feel way more comfortable with a bigger P yeah. than a jazz yeah. neck for sure. But I think, you know, like anybody, you leave, you know, you played enough and you kind of uh, get used to it. So dude, how did you, how did you get the P base? Where, where did that come from? Yeah. So that was actually also a, it was a local fine. It was a Craigslist fine um, back in spring of 2010. Um, I was really into vintage gear. I had a best friend who introduced me to all of it. He taught me everything about Fender and everything about really cool amps and really cool gear and what makes, what makes vintage gear cool. Um, not just, you know, how expensive it is, but but why it's important to play an instrument that's made its life 60 years long, you know, and why that's important to carry that on and, and not let those things get pushed into closets. So I always been looking for, you know, an old P bass and I don't know how it happened. Cause this was the age of the internet. This is the age of eBay, you know, a, a, a base, you know, like that, I would never be able to afford in a lifetime still can't, you know? And, um, someone ends up posting it on Craigslist and it's a really bad picture. It's just like a, you know, a wide shot of the whole base. And it just says it's 1962 Fender precision base. Wow. And it had the price and the price was, let's just say it was under a thousand dollars. Let's just say, let's be as coy as we can about and it. And I had, I had just, I had just saved up like that much. Like, and I was looking at buying like a reissue, which you still couldn't get, you know, the Fullerton reissues, like the early eighties. Those are way more than a thousand dollars. That's what I'm saying. Like, but if you get really, really lucky, you could maybe find like a mid eighties one for like at the time, like 12 to 1500, something like that. And, you know, haggle, maybe trade some gear, like whatever. I was, I was ready to like, that's what I wanted to get. Or I was still saving my money towards something like that. And um, even a 70s one, you know, at the time, you still couldn't get for under like two grand. And this thing pops up and I, I like freak out. So I email the guy and I'm like, hey, you know, I'd uh, really be interested in buying this. I can come out um, this weekend. And it was like Monday. But I knew I couldn't like just drive out to where he had it like on a weeknight and I, I there was a reason like I think it oh so it turned out it was actually down the street from where my parents live and I was literally just gonna have them buy it bring it home and then I'll just buy it off mom that. listen yeah I know you don't really know what a p-base is but it's very important that you get this for right. me I haven't asked you for anything for Christmas in a decade yeah. at least and here's a stack of research on how to identify <laughs> the, the proper parts 
So yeah, this is pre- you couldn't just FaceTime with mom and, and right. be like, hey, uh, not at all. Just, yeah, my, yeah, you're my walking phone right now. You're right. You, she couldn't just hold it up and be like, how does this look good? So even if they were home, they, you know, I don't know if they would have helped because I didn't know if it was real, you know. So I just asked the dude, I'm like, please wait. I'm coming out this weekend. I'm driving out like, you know, Friday night. Um, I will be there. You know, don't sell it to anybody else. That was my big thing. I was like, please don't sell it to anybody else. Um, guy didn't respond forever, mm. you know, like all week, all week. And I think I started, week. well, like all week, like, like, like Monday, Tuesday goes by oh. Wednesday. Finally, torture, like, dude, torture, the longest three days of my life. Finally. And I think I had written him every day. So like, I did not play it cool. I had no, <laughs> I had no chill, dude. I was like, playing hard to I was like, no, game. I was desperate. I really was just like, please don't sell this to anybody. And then I'd like write him back and I was like, come on, man. Like, you know, don't tell me you sold this. He took the ad down by the way. Like the ad was only up for like a few hours oh. and cause I kept, you know, refreshing the link that I had sent and it was this gone. posting is no longer listed by yep. the author. Yep. And I go, Oh my God, he sold it. And now I'm crushed. Cause I had like the exact money in my account. That was like the cost of the thing. And I'm just like, Oh my God. So he writes me back on Thursday and he's like, he's like, all right, David, it sounds good. You know, I will, uh, I'll be sure to, you know, hold on to that for you. If you come out at like, you know, Friday at six o'clock or whatever, just be here. I like left work early, you know, cause I had to drive out from the city all the way to Oswego and I'm driving, I'm driving. I'm calling the guy like on the way he's not answering the phone. And now I'm like, you, 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 know, just driving. Be, like, you can't stop at this point. Yeah. Just to be like, well, and, and it was right down the street from where my parents live. So I was going to like, kind of, I could like see them Grab anyway. Dinner with mom, maybe yeah, get your make, a, make a whole trip out of it. So, you know, we're coming down and I'm calling this guy just to be like, Hey man, I'm like, you know, half hour away. Hey man, I'm like 10 minutes away. Hey dude, I'm in front of your place did not answer. I swear to God, I'm sitting outside of the address that he gave me. And oh. it's like these like townhomes. And I'm like, uh, shit, man. And I'm just sitting there and my wife's with me and, uh, we're just sitting and waiting and he calls back. I'm, I'm probably outside of his like driveway. Ring, ring. Yeah. I'm out. And I answer like right away and I'm like, yeah. And he's like, who's Kyle? Whatever. I forget the guy's name. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, cool, man, you're here. And, I, and you know, and all week I'd kind of been like double checking like research for like, you know, what to look for with these guitars. I wanted to be able to look at this thing, grab it. And if it was legit, just by looking at the outside, I wasn't going yeah, to ask him to take the neck, take the neck off. off are you? Hell no, dude. Like for the price he had it listed, even a reissue would have been a good deal. Worth it. So, and I, obviously I could tell right away if it was going to be like, you know, like a new Mexican one or something like that, or, a, you know, not that there's anything wrong with those, but for the price that would have been a lot right. of money. And, um, and there's certain aspects you can tell about a vintage one, just even the way the headstock's cut. If you start to really like look at them over and over again, you see enough of them. You kind of just know, you kind of just, it's really hard to fake. Um, so we get in there and he invites me in and he's got like this bachelor, play, this bachelor pad, like condo. Right. And he's in there and you know, he's like, come on up, you know, the base is upstairs. This dude sounds awesome. Yeah. So what happened was he was like, yeah, Kyle, whatever. Sounds I don't know awesome. why he, I don't know why he tells me this. But he's like, yeah, I just had a divorce with the wife and I got to clear out some gear to like pay for like legal things. Or sometimes you just got to talk it out. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not a bass player. I'm a, I'm a keyboard player, but I have a few basses from like, you know, whatever, when he used to try to play bass or something, but he had like, he had like three other basses too. I think he had what like, did he, have? he had like a Warwick, like a five string Warwick. He had a warrior. Do you know what a warrior is? I don't know what a warrior is. So warrior is, is kind of like in that like um, Warwicky realm of like the really like jazzy basses, like the cool five six strings. Hmm. They're really like clanky and like a lot of metal dudes like them cool. and like jazz guys. So he had one of those, and like they were all these kind of like extravagant, like nice burl, you know, burl wood and like the crazy like wood finishes. Koa tops, spalted top, spalted maple, yeah, spalted maple. And um, but then he had the P bass hanging there next to all those, and you know I didn't even ask him about the other ones. I just I 
I could actually tell. I saw it and I was like, okay, that I think that's I think that thing's real. That looks. And cool. I grabbed it and I flipped it over and I looked. I just looked at like the um, the tuning machines because I know you know the pre CBS tuning machines look a certain way. They have a certain number of like screw threads, and I plug it in. And the guy's like, I'll leave you be with the bass if you just want to play it. Like, oh, he had a Ampeg SVT full fridge stack, like the 810. The classic? Not, yeah, not like a vintage one or anything, but like a 90s whatever, and or, you know, newer one. But it was cool. But like in his little apartment, you know, like this Cranking little like the one bedroom condo thing, right? So we plug it in and I hit one note on that bass. And it's, what I love about that bass is, like I said before, it sounds like nothing else. I still hear that note every time I plug that thing in. It just went thoom. Wow. And I was like, the low E. Wait, how did it sound? Thung. Thung. I don't even know if that's in tune, you know, if that's in pitch, but. Um, yeah, if you've just got that low E every Can you time. get the tuning pitch? Out? <laughs> Give me a low E on the. No. So anyways, I, I look at my wife and I'm like, let's go. Let's go right now. Like threw it in the case, close the thing. And it was a original hard shell case too, which is another indicator that. OHSC? Yeah, dude. And um, I grab it and he's like, oh, you're done testing it out already? And I was like, yeah, I'll take it. Here you go. <laughs> Count the cash, boom. I'm out the door. I'm driving down the road over to my folks' place, and I'm like, I still can't believe this happened. So uh, even in 2010, folks, there are, you know, there were still good deals out there. Um, Almost some, a decade ago. Sometimes somebody needs deals. to get rid of something. You just got to be the first one to jump on it. Oh, he also mentioned, he's like, I don't know what happened, but um, man, my phone's been like lighting up, or my emails have been lighting up all day with people trying to call me about this instrument or, you know, email him and call him. He might've left his phone number. Actually. I think that was part of my harassment uh, thing where I, I kind of like was texting the guy or something like that. And he never got back to me, but, but yeah, it worked out. Wow. Did it ever. Yeah. That was a long, long story. <laughs> that, you know, that's a good story. And you touched on a lot of key important issues that we all deal with. And, and yeah. perfectly, I would say, some may say segued us into the main topic. I felt a segue coming on for tonight. Great. For today, for this afternoon, for this lovely afternoon. Beautiful. And that is frankly confessions of a gear addict. Oh god. And that's probably I'm sure that that in fact is, is something else. Conf- confessions of a Craigslist addict. Yeah. Can't really just say Craigslist anymore, mm-hmm. but this is where we are and 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 in a lot of things came up in that that I wanted to to come back to and, and dig deeper into a little bit. Sure, let's hit it. Boy, do we both buy and sell a lot of gear. It's addicting. It's it is, and and it's interesting because they're really tools when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. These are things that we use to make music. Sure. But there's, I mean, I'd be completely lying if I pretended like it wasn't a, a collection as well, right? Yeah. There's fetishization involved in all of this. Yeah, and it's never enough, is it? Oh no, of course not. You're always you're always chasing <laughs> that next VT40 or P base. Yeah, chasing the dragon. But let's say let's say maybe maybe you haven't done much buying and selling gear. Maybe you haven't suffered the travails that we have already. What uh, what can we teach the world through our mistakes about how to how to properly manage your your gear addiction what would be a good place to start maybe 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 we can talk about actually the location the place where where you make the deal yeah that's a big one that's something that i've i've probably not thought enough about early enough in my craigslist addiction career yeah well let me ask you something like unlike my experience buying that 
the, the P bass where the guy invited me into his home to plug into his very much oversized bass rig to play one note and decide I was going to you know, bring it home. Um, how do you feel about going into people's homes? Um, have you ever had a weird uh, experience or what do you think about even like the parking lot exchange? Do you have any opinions? Yeah. You know, there, there are a lot of options, right? Yeah. You talked about going in somebody's home. I've brought too many people inside my own. Yeah. Um, that's weird. Right. So I, I feel that, you know, honestly, and it was, it wasn't until an ex, an ex kind of brought it to my attention. I never really thought about it in this way, but I don't, I don't love the in-home gear exchange at this no point well, you don't want them to see like all this stuff and well and that's exactly it I, I happen to be at a point now where i have a lot of valuable gear in here and well that that can be exciting to talk about with somebody i also then don't want them to be able to case the joint and be like yo i'm gonna come back in and steal all your shit when you're not home yeah that could happen right i mean we live in shy town baby and you know we'd we'd like to think we're both pretty street smart you know, as far as like judge of character, the first time you meet somebody, are they super shady? Oh, of course. You know, it's, it's, it gets easier living out here to find out if someone's full of shit. And let me be that. clear for those that are casing my joint. I now have security and camera set yeah, up. Which and a huge dog. You should see this thing. Her name is Sophie. Uh, but so, okay. So yeah, I don't really love the in-home thing at this point. Uh, I would say now mostly most of my deals I conduct in in public type places, and yeah. if they're and if they're buying from me, I usually just make them come to me so that I, I live near a busy street. I can just walk right over there. I kind of just do it right on the busy street. So you like the outside exchange? What if it's something they want to try out? Yeah, so I, I, I've dealt with that quite a bit, and usually I just ask them is it okay if i just shoot you a quick video on my phone and oh. show you that all the features work that's a good and answer. that has never not been okay oh let me amend that statement not been okay unless they're trying to scam me because that's also happened but regardless yeah just just be like hey i can send you as many pictures as you want is it cool if i we've i mean we've all got phones that take quick little videos at this point just plug it in make sure all the lights work shoot, right twist the knobs around play some notes you know shred your fear of van halen yeah like, just whatever you know basically people are just making sure it's it's not you know it's not crackling it's there's not any issues that might be deeper than maybe just a spring out of pot yeah and, like and of course that that varies by product if it's just an acoustic guitar you can you can yeah. play that on a street corner if you yeah. want to yeah if it's a case or whatever you can just see that in person um or the the alternative would be meeting at a practice space and i've done that yeah many times as well and having a practice space that's that's helpful isn't the it v convenient when they're in your practice space just so happens to be the vt40 <laughs> came from another dude in our practice space shout out to dude in the practice space shout out to dude down not even in the we, same practice we won't space. disclose his room number but right. i dude I did not know that the rooms had numbers. Uh, technically, until ours has one. But I noticed it's it afterwards. It's written in permanent marker in on the marker. door. marker, yeah. Never. I've been, like, <laughs> for long-time listeners since podcast episode one, Yeah, I have been in and out of rooms in that place over the last 10 years. Never once knew that there were Seen numbers in any number. of the doors. You know what's funny is on the on the rent check, I always put the room number at the bottom in the yeah. memo. So, like, now you know. I remember it, you know, yeah. from writing the checks. Also, but, the security code on the door hasn't changed in all that time. That's funny, noticed. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of weird. That's a weird one. I mean, those doors are pretty heavy duty. You'd have they to are. do a lot of work to get into one of those. Um, but anyways, you, yeah, have, sorry. you have a practice space to to go if you really want to. Mm -hmm. Like I said, got the VT40 just down the hall. Got to, I opened it up in there too because I asked him. I was like, "Hey, is it cool if I if I really if I really hear?" Yeah. I had my guitar with me because we were at the practice space. Right. I brought my Les Paul over. Oh, yeah. Plugged with the cable, just plugged it right in. 
I was like, he's like, yeah, go ahead. And I, and I opened it up. Yeah. I think I, I think I, uh, tore some paint off the walls in that room. Yeah. I hope he wasn't like, dude, what are you doing, man? Like I've never even turned it up that loud myself. He had some real loud amps in that room. I'm sure that thing's been pushed. It'd be funny if he was like, I've never heard it sound so good. I would like to keep it. That would have been unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, I tried that. I honestly, the thought went through my mind and I was like, (laughs) all right, it's time to stop playing because I can literally just walk it down the hall to my room now and, um, just give him his cash and roll. That man, that was that was an interesting deal. That was one um Facebook Marketplace, actually. I saw the dude post it and 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 I don't want to get into specifics because it's almost embarrassing how cheap I got it for. Yeah. Uh late seventies Ampeg VT forty and and I saw it and immediately messaged him and said, Hey, can we meet up today? Yeah. And and this kind of goes into another topic i i think is worth covering when it comes to making these deals is kind of the etiquette of the deal you know yeah let's talk how, about how often is too often is it often or often i never know often often there's off, a t in off it. 10 often but some people say often like coffin without a c yeah how often right is, which is the chicago way to it's do a it. chicago way to do it often or often often Oft, yeah no i say often but i i like to enunciate you know as listeners I, i'm I sure my, i made myself change from pop to soda at a certain point in my life speaking of chicago things dude when i moved to new york this is a super old story but like i was like where's the pop machine and it was like you know 18 years old trying to make friends like first time at college and I'm like do anyone know where the pop machine is and they're like pop pop what pop and they all started making fun of me yeah and it I, still sting? I went home no i i changed the soda i say soda now i just think soda sounds a little better it does sound know. better that's the thing pop kind of sounds lazy I say plenty of stupid Chicago things, like Chicago, for instance, or sausage. How should you say Chicago? Well, I think I think some people say Chicago. Claw. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Which grammatically doesn't make any sense to me. But there's not a, like a W in it. But, you know, Chicago, there's a whole hard vowel. Yeah. Yeah. The garage. Yeah, garage. But see, we're the not like Boston. Room. We're not parking the car. We're not adding extra R's where they no. don't belong. <laughs> what were we even talking about? We were talking about etiquette. The, Etiquette. So, what do you? How want many to tell- messages? How many messages? How? So, when you want something, you're like, "All right, I want to make a deal for this." Okay. How so many messages? How this, do you do that? This comes down to control, which I had none in 2010 when I bought that. But I was a younger man, and um, I don't know if I would have gone to that extreme, even though it worked for me. Don't don't message them every day. Um, now, here's the really other- not every day, even if it's something that you 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 really want. Well, here's the other thing. I don't know why why they wouldn't respond. That's kind of the other side of it. You know, like why, why wouldn't he respond? It's you're checking your email. Like, it's not like you don't check email every day, especially if you're selling something actively and you want it gone and you want money for it, you know? So to the sellers out there, you know, respond. Yeah. What's the way to be a good seller then? What, what would you recommend in this instance? How, how should you handle the situation? Well, that's, wow. This is a loaded episode because there's a lot to it. Uh, being a seller, I mean, you're going to have people lowballing you, so you can't let those people get to you. You know, there's going to always be people who are like, I'll give you a hundred bucks for it. And it's worth like five, you know, or whatever. Well, I think one, one thing that you can do in that situation is build a little wiggle room into your asking price. Yeah. Cause you're going to get the low balls. We all do it. It all happens. But if someone comes at you, maybe a hundred bu- bu- bucks below what you're asking and you've already built that in, well, then all of a sudden you got yourself a deal. Well, yeah, that's why I always counter anyways. Like if they're like a hundred bucks, I'm like, all right, how about 450? And then right. like, oh, okay. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that the best? Uh, it does happen out there. Um, but yeah, leave, you know, write people. I mean, it depends how bad you want it, but if someone hasn't responded to you, which does happen a lot on Craigslist, um, you know, if they haven't responded, um, I don't know, you kind of have to let it go, man. It's, it's not easy sometimes, but 
you know, don't give yourself, you know, a bad, bad name about how it. Do you, how do you feel about offering trades? Trades are tricky. Uh, I like trades in person. And if you know what it's worth and you know that you're both getting a good deal. Oh, I didn't even think about shipping. Well, I had, a, I was selling something on eBay or maybe it was reverb and somebody offered me a trade and it was something that I actually definitely would have wanted. I was selling a, I was selling that GNL SB2 bass. Oh yeah. I the remember. 80s. Yeah. Cool bass. And it was, it was actually a little trickier to sell than I thought it was going to be. Um, the only guy who was really interested was this guy in New York who was selling supposedly a, uh, like a 1980 precision special, the ones with the matching headstock. Mm -hmm. He sent me photos of it. Um, it was really cool. It had the rosewood neck, which is even um, rarer than the maple. Excuse me. And basically, you know, he's like, well, I would, I'll trade you straight up for this. And by the way, like the, the precision specials are worth a lot of money right now. I think his had a couple modifications, but it wasn't anything like that would have destroyed the value. Um, it was still a cool old base, way cooler than what I had. And I go, I don't know how we're going to actually go about this, man. Like, do I ship this to you? Do you ship it to me? By the way, if anyone listening has like really good tips on like how to trade something with someone in another state, um, aside from driving it there, like, you know, let us know. I agree. Yeah. That that's, I, I don't, I don't think I totally trust that whole process yet myself. I don't, I don't know that I've settled on something that really works for a, a non in-person trade. Cause that, that gets a little hairy. I mean, you're talking about who, like you said, who's going to ship first, who's going to pay what first. Yeah. Oftentimes people are trying to get you to pay PayPal friends and family when, just to save on the fees when you might get kind of boned on that whole deal. So there's, yeah. there's a lot to be afraid of there. I don't, I don't know that I, unless it's been, I've had a couple instances on uh, a pedal forum when I got real into building pedals where I could, I, I trusted the people that yeah. were part of the community and I, and I've traded some things that way, but only when they'd already sort of been vetted by my own years of experience with them. Yeah. And you can feel someone out like this guy I ended up talking to on the phone, which is really big. So if you can like try to get their, get their number, if they won't give you their number to talk on the phone, it might not be worth dealing with that person, to be honest. Like, hopefully they're a fellow gearhead and, um, you know, hopefully they're into stuff like that. All right. So we've talked a bit about kind of some of the mechanics, but I want to, I want to hear some of the juicy stuff. So we talked about that, Pete. Do you have any, do you have any awesome Craigslist scores that you've been like, dang, this, uh, uh, I, sh I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get out of the, out of here before he changes his mind. Well, I'm not going to lie. Um, I mean, I, I told you the story about the 62 P base, um, about four months later in June, I ended up scoring that P base, the one I sold you Ooh. for like no money. I made so much money off you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. I gotta I get, actually, you, that, you gave me, a I gave you, I gave you a really base. good deal. Cause I knew what I spent on it. But, um, yeah, this guy down in Southern Illinois was like, it's like a six hour drive. It was like, um, like Carbondale, Carbondale or, SIU, or Car baby. Carlinsville, I think. Actually. Carlinsville. Shout, shout out to Carlinsville. What up all of our Carlinsville listeners? Yeah. Yeah. What up? Um, apparently they don't care much for Fender P bases down there. Cause this was, well, this is also 2010, but, this guy was selling it. Um, I think it was his wife's who used to be in a punk band or something. And they're like 75 P bass. You know, they had a ton of pictures of it, really good pictures. And I think they wanted a thousand. And I think I said, I'll give you 600 for it. Just, and that's kind of being a dick guys. And I'll admit like, it's not cool to lowball. And I just complained about it, but I also like, you might as well try it once in a while. If you really don't think you're going to drive like seven hours to go pick something up throw him an offer you know and uh they accepted it. he was like cool no problem like come get it and now i'm thinking well this thing's got to be stolen or something like that right oh no um get down there and the guy 
um, was he was just trying to get um, parts for his boat. He's a boat man. He was a boat. You know, man. you know what boat stands for? Okay. Bust out another thousand, baby. Yeah, that would be boat B, but close enough. I like know. the joke. Uh, you know, it's better than owning a boat. What? When your best friend owns a boat. Boat so, jokes. Um, anyways, yeah. So I went down there, picked that up for six hundred. That was a good. That was a good Craigslist score. Um, I've I've had one. I had one one time. I bought an orange, um, fifteen inch cab, like a subwoofer, you know, for a base cab. And went over, and the guy had a good deal. He was close by. I go up there. I do the deal. It wasn't like a crazy deal, you know. It was a few hundred bucks or whatever. And I get it downstairs. It had like one of those plastic flight cases. You know, like oh, the, the eight. Yeah. They're like they're FAA certified, but they're like plastic. And wait, you know, what's FAA? Flight something. What isn't it? T, not TSA. Is that it? Oh, might be TSA now. No, I, maybe that's just the people that TSA just you. handles your stuff. I I think FAA certified is like the tech. We Got can look it. that up. Um, but I just realized I don't know what that stands for. Yeah, I I think it just means it's like flight certified. Yeah. Like they can you can put it Federal the, Aviation Administration. Boom, bam. Dude, I, I didn't look that up. He didn't. I swear. He actually didn't look it up. Uh, that was not an edit. Um, but that might not even be right still. Anyways, but maybe. Anyways, um, dude. So I get this thing down. I'm like, sweet. I got an orange cab. Like I'm so pumped. I'm so excited to use like um all the different heads I have through it, and I get it down. And it won't fit in my car. Ooh. And I had, like, you know, like a four-door sedan. And definitely not, not in the trunk. Not even, like, out the window? Definitely not in the trunk. Dude, I mean, it's a giant cube. You know, <laughs> so I couldn't even get it, like, into... I don't know why the giant case... Giant cube. Giant cube. I don't know why the case, they made it so big, man. I mean, it's, like, it wasn't that much thicker, but you're, like, you take it the, the cabinet itself out of the case, and it's... You're, like, oh, there's the little cabinet. And you put it in that thing, and it's, like... I'm in a case now. I'm in a case, mother yeah, effer. Big flight case. So ended up, um, I was actually able to take the cab out of it, fit the cab in my trunk, and then disassemble the case in a parking lot. I had a screwdriver in my car, took the thing apart, threw it in the back. Worth it. Yeah, it took me like an hour. It was cool, though. You know, this, is, this isn't really that related. I mean, in so much as that we're talking about gear, I... Um, kind of really obsessive with keeping track of my gear you were saying earlier you have a log of everything you've ever owned it's not out of the question to make that claim that's borderline there is there is chance there is a slight chance that i've forgotten some things throughout the years maybe one or two here or there but i i i would go so far as to say i have record of every piece of gear i've ever owned Including what it was like, usually what I paid for it, what I eventually sold it for. I have, yeah. you know, that's that's a you whole dates? that's a whole second tab. No, I I I haven't done dates, but I I have the sold uh, aspect in chronological order. That's I I'm impressed. That's very organized. You know, I'm a dude for spreadsheets, and I'm a dude that has had a lot of gear, and and. I, I catalog a lot of things. I've cataloged my vinyl collection. It sometimes helps if you can't remember if you have something or not. I haven't quite gotten to that with gear that has happened with records. But at a certain point in my very early 20s, before I'd, it had gotten real bad, basically before I had enough money for it to get real bad, yeah. I thought back, hmm, okay, I've done a lot of deals lately. I'm just going to remember all of them. So I did that, and then I've kept a, a running Excel spreadsheet ever since. Anytime I buy, sell something, I I make record of it. That's smart. Um Dude, it's super fun. It's like a, it's like a little, a little 
time machine that I can open up every now and again and be like, oh yeah, I do remember that ESP that I had or some, you know, whatever it is. When I've had like four different crybabies throughout the years. So I'm sure it's, uh, I'm sure there's stuff in there. What is the, what's the one thing on that list that you wish you would have never sold? There are, there are maybe a couple. Give me the top three. You know, honestly, I feel like I would have to bust out the list to give you the top three. Yeah, but one, that's the okay. first one that comes to mind is my Rhodes that I had. Okay. Partially because it's super cool. It's a Rhodes 54. So oh. it's one of the shorties. I was going to ask if it was an 88 or a 73. So Exactly. Wow. And the other thing is that I got it for free 99. It was $0. And where, where did you acquire this? This was... Uh, I got my probably vampires, the band that I was in, cool. you know, 10 plus years ago, we're playing a show. We are actually playing my sister. It was a block party slash my sister's 21st birthday party. We were playing two shows that day and we played in the, earlier in the day at this party. And for some reason, my mom's friend was there and he came up to me and he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm used to be a musician. I've got this keyboard in my garage that's been sitting there for 20 years. Right. Do you want, I was like, okay. And then I'll look, yeah, I, I don't care it. if it's like a toy. Like, I'll and it was it. a Rhodes wow. 54. The outer Tolex had been stripped off for some reason. So yeah. it was just like the bare black wood and it looked kind of ugly from the outside, right. but it was a wonderful Rhodes on the inside. You know, you know that I can play piano and keyboard decently well. I can, I can fake my way through it, but I would You're not, pretty good. I would not call myself a piano player. And when I owned this, I was much less even than I am now. Sure. So I had it for a while and it would kind of, it was cool to like have and it's a good one to learn or whatever. I I spent a lot of time playing on it, learning on it or whatever. Um, but eventually, and, and I, you know, I would, my memory is not serving me right now. I can't remember exactly. I think I traded it for the number two list on my things that I wish I still had, which was an Ampeg reverb rocket. Oh, Uh, I I remember that early sixties and the blue, the blue Tolex, the diamond, uh, yeah, the diamond ch- tolex right. and the silver grill that thing was wonderful um but i'm pretty sure i again i'm gonna have to check i think i i think i traded straight up wow for that yeah but I, I want both of those back because then i eventually got rid of the reverb rocket for some synthesizers oh. a moog uh slim fatty and the um sequential circuit six track which do you I, still have those i've sold both of them yeah. they're both amazing pieces of gear but i'm constantly moving stuff in and out you i mean that's here that's the thing man and like do you find, do you ever get like sentimental attachment towards gear? I mean, obviously like that P base, I told the story about earlier. I'm not going to ever sell that yeah. like ever. Like it doesn't even matter. Um, and you know, I, because it's sentimental and because of the way like serendipitously it, like came into my life and it was down the street from where my parents live and like this whole story. Um, do you get attached to gear like that? I have friends who can turn it off. Like they can get, you know, a 65 strat and if they can make five grand or three grand on it, like they'll flip that thing, you know? And, do you do you find that's the case with you? I to a fault. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, I I definitely since I'm such a Virgo, <laughs> I develop sentimental attachments to objects. But I, this is what I've been told. I'm a Virgo too, actually. Really? When's your birthday? August twenty fourth. August thirtieth, bro. Dude, hell yeah! I'm the, on the cusp. I'm like almost a Leo. Or yeah, something, that's but... a thing. My my mom and my sister are Leos. Oh, We're talking about astrology. Yeah, we do it all in this podcast. Uh, hashtag astrology unks. <laughs> Leave your comments below. Let us know um, what what astrology sign you guys are. So I do, and and there are a handful that I currently would say are 
unbreakable bonds. Mm-hmm. The first one that comes to mind is my SG, which is a guitar that I, I play some. I wouldn't say I play it all the time because I've got a lot of cool stuff that I've been playing these days. But well, tell us about it. Well, the SG I got that was my f- the reason it's so important to me is that it was my first. It was my first Gibson. Gibson, I've been a lifelong lover. I have many guitars. I still, I think Gibson is like in my heart probably more than any other brand. But it was my first Gibson. I had a few Epiphones before that, and it was the it was my first guitar that I actually played professionally and toured with and recorded in cool scenarios and got to play big shows and put the, all the wear on it myself. And yeah. while it, right now it's probably of my electric guitars, like towards the bottom in terms of value, it's an it's a Gibson SG Classic from two thousand five. I two, no no no. 2004 and whatever not important it's a solid guitar it, it came with just gibson p90s in it i've since uh i put a different bridge pickup and i put years ago i put a lace uh quiet like a p100 essentially stacked p90 i put a bigs beyond it um really cool versatile guitar I, in fact um, it has my favorite my favorite mod of any guitar i ever had have had which is the genital hercules mod i'm sorry genital hercules and that is i call it that because i had a friend my friend max what's up max if you're listening uh put push pull pots and i replaced the tone pots with push pull pots that do phase and series parallel stuff and his band at the time was called genital hercules wow oh that's the genital that's the genital hercules mod i get it uh it's a it's cherry red uh with black pick guard it's got the binding it's got a bound neck with dot inlays which i think is one of the classier gibson Dude, I'm into that. As a Fender guy, that's like that's the cool transition yeah. period, like early '66 period. There, well, so it, cool. There's not to go too far off topic, but there is a not the current one, but there was a signature Eric Johnson Strat that had a bound fretboard, bound rosewood wood fretboard with mm-hmm. dot inlays, and that's like the coolest looking Strat I've it's ever seen. Something about it, you know? Does binding remind you of like pool tables sometimes, or like pool cue? things no but i would like to hear more about yeah this. well you know they always put like ivory and like you know pool cues the inlays and, like, yeah. yeah all those little like the the, the diamond Not like just where like, you line up and stuff on yeah the side like of inlays the thing. and then sometimes like i think it was like my grandparents pool table had like you know they had the little diamond inlays but it also had like ivory binding around the wood trim really just like a guitar and i think that's why i'm so attracted to that but well anyways we've we've uh, successfully rambled about some yeah. random craigslist deals do you have any sort of any other tips that maybe we haven't really talked about yet? Any things that are really important to you when you're buying, selling, trading, swapping, all the online? Yeah, I think the best thing is like overall, just be polite, whether you're selling or buying. You know, there's no reason to be like short with people. And if they ask you for something, get back to them. Um, man, everybody's got email and, and cell phones and text messages. So get back to people if you're selling something. And and um, even if they're like, you know, a jerk or whatever. I mean, you put your number on there for a reason. So obviously, like, just get back to them and be like, you know, sorry, man, not today or whatever, you know, if you don't like them or whatever, but that's a good point. It's, but it, it made me think how, despite Facebook being a cesspool of mostly horrible things, <laughs> I've, I, I have had some decent gear interactions on there only, I think because you have to put a face with the per you have to have an actual Facebook account to yeah. sell things on there. So like, if, usually this is an account unless they're trying to scam you that yeah. they're like also posting food pics. And you stuff should on. be a real person. I think if you're on there. But I still, I would say when it comes to browsing habits, I mean, Reverb is kind of the first place I go these days. Then I go to Craigslist, then I go to Facebook. And very rarely do I, unless there's something very specific, I almost never go to eBay anymore. 
I see. I love eBay. Um, but if you, okay. So like a tip to be successful, if you want to get good deals on eBay is you have to constantly be scanning what's popping up. Um, meaning, and, and this is the same with reverb too. Like if you manage your feed to where you get the most recent listings first and I probably shouldn't be like, I mean, I'm sure people know this, but I shouldn't be like trying to encourage people to do this, but you sit there and if somebody posts something, you know, within, if it's a really, really good deal, um, it's going to go within minutes, you know? So to see the listings that come up first. Well, is, right. If, especially if it's buy it now or make an offer. Usually it is. Usually it's buy it now or make an offer. Um, you know, it, yeah, if it's bidding, obviously that's a different story. Do you do the whole, uh, setting keyword alerts and that kind of yeah. thing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm big into, you know, I think it's important, you know, if you, if you want to start collecting gear, know what you like, you can go on reverb, you can customize your, your feed and you can customize it to be the most recent listings of, you know, let's say you like Stratocasters, let's say you like, you know, Gibson SGs and you can plug all that in there and then it only shows, you know, those things or things that re are related to those, um, to those items well and you can even get alerts the the last yeah. time i used ebay was that it can get annoying that weird <laughs> that weird old solid state yamaha that i've got back there i had set up a, a i think it's a ta60 i believe yeah. i'd set up a an ebay alert because they one hadn't been listed in probably four or five years yeah so i just put yamaha ta60 as if anybody lists something with that i'll get a push notification and i did and it just so happened to be i don't remember if it was joliet or somewhere in the western burbs um, the dude even offered to deliver it. So wow. I have to pay for the, isn't that funny how that works out? I had a friend, uh, my buddy, Alex Ward, who was looking for like a Roland, the Roland chorus. Oh, the JC one twenty. Yeah, we talked to you and I just talked about this. He's like, looking for one. If yeah. you want to sell yours to him, uh, shout out to, uh, um, Alex over there in, uh, in Hembry. They're doing really good right now. Yeah. Um, their album's really good. Yeah, People should go listen to Hembry. Yeah. H E M B R E E. Check them out. They're from Kansas city. They're fantastic. They're blown up. Um, so Did he you just say they're for, blowing up? They're blowing up. Is that you could say? Are we going to go watch some MTV after this? I mean, they should be on MTV. Is MTV still showing videos and things? What's MTV? I don't even know. I'm over it. I'm over this episode. Yeah, me too. Bye.